Welcome to the Fertility Stories podcast. This is your host, Mary Sodden, naturopath and fertility coach. I help women go from frustrated, overwhelmed, and isolated to calm, confident, and in control of their fertility. I'm passionate about helping women get pregnant and stay pregnant. Each week, I have a real and empowering conversation with everyday women and men struggling with fertility to bring you hope, comfort, and support. This is our story. Welcome to the Fertility Stories podcast. My guest for today is my dear friend, Tracy McCombs, Army wife, NIH analyst, fertility warrior, and author of My Miscarriage and Other Uninvited Events. This is Tracy's second time to be featured on the Fertility Stories podcast. I will definitely recommend that everyone listen to our first interview. Um, And in that episode, she talked about her struggle to conceive and learning about her diagnosis of factor five laden and overcoming bladder cancer. It's an amazing story. And I will link this episode on the show notes. It's definitely worth listening to. And since we last spoke, Tracy has since published a book called My Miscarriage and Other Uninvited Events. And it is a heart-wrenching, thought-provoking, honest account of how Tracy learned to navigate the fine line between hope and grief, faith and despair, while battling infertility and cancer. And she really pulls back the veil of silence, you know, which has shrouded the topic of miscarriage, infertility, and pregnancy loss. It is truly my honor to have Tracy again on the podcast. Welcome to the Fertility Stories podcast, Tracy. Oh, thank you, Mary, so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here talking with you again. Awesome. And congratulations on publishing your book. It's amazing. Oh, thank you. Yes. Um, you know, it's, it's it's taken a few years to finally get it to the point where it was ready to be published, but I'm excited that um, hopefully, um, you know, readers will be able to connect with it and uh, relate to it. And it, hopefully it'll be a resource for women who, who are struggling to conceive and who are struggling with miscarriage. So thank you so much for that. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's really important to shine a light on the topic of miscarriage since most women find that or think that they're alone going through this experience. And I know that you mentioned in our first interview that you did experience miscarriage before. Can you tell us more about you know your road to motherhood, particularly about your experience of miscarriage? Absolutely. Yeah. So I'll go ahead and start back in October of 2014. That's when I realized that I was having my first miscarriage. So it was my um, prenatal assessment and it was the ultrasound, you know, that I was looking forward to, you know, since the moment that I had found out I was pregnant and my doctor was amazing. The nurses were amazing. You know, just the whole day was so exciting, right? Like I, I, I was getting so many compliments and, and just congratulations. And, you know, I was glowing because I was so ready to be a mother. And my husband and I had been trying a really long time to get pregnant. And um, I would even say we struggled with infertility before we got pregnant uh, with our first pregnancy. And, you know, in, in that um, 
in that doctor's appointment when, you know, the doctor was was kind enough to try to, you know, kindly uh, prepare us for the news that we were receiving, I started to recognize that the things that she was saying to me were not, um, were not was not good news. So it looks like, you know, maybe your baby's a little smaller than it should be. Uh, there's not a heartbeat and, and all of these things. And, and slowly but surely, my husband and I recognized that uh, we had lost the pregnancy. And that was, that was really a, a devastating time for my husband and I, just because we had been so ready to start a family. And I think when, you know, women make make it like a, a thing in their mind it's almost like a shift right because this whole you know our whole lives we're told you know to take birth control and be safe and and don't make bad choices and and do not get pregnant and then as soon as you do get um get married and you decide you do mm -hmm. want to start uh, a family it's a complete 180 it's like do everything you can to be fertile and these are the mm -hmm. these are the medications you should take and this is what you should eat and you know just taking that shift and then finally getting pregnant and then realizing that we had lost the baby it was just very very devastating for us um and so we we um you know, tried our best to keep ourselves distracted and we tried to go out with friends and, and um, do social events and, and try to just keep our minds off of it for the most part. And while that did help to an extent, it didn't completely take away the grief that I was feeling. Mm -hmm. I think it more distracted me than anything. And so I know everyone who um, experiences a miscarriage tries to um, handle it, you know, whichever way um, will will help them most. And I, I think that's different for every woman. I think some women want some isolation and time to grieve in silence. I think other women mm -hmm. want to be around their friends and feel that support. Uh, and so I think each woman kind of approaches that differently. And then I, I think about January of 2015, my husband and I started feeling um, confident enough to try to start um, trying again. My body had healed. We had had some time to process um, the devastation. And um, sure enough, we ended up getting pregnant on our first try. And like most women, I thought, oh, you know, my season of infertility is over. Like, mm -hmm. you know, no, no one has two miscarriages in a row. Uh, you know, my doctor assured me that only 2% of women have two miscarriages in a row and that I should not be concerned. And so I wasn't, you know, I was really hopeful. I thought, oh, you know, that was just kind of like um, an isolated um, experience. And uh, I was moving forward with hope. My husband was still a little hesitant. And then, um, sure enough, you know, March of that year, um, the day after my best friend's baby shower, I woke up with blood and I just, I just knew, I think there's a lot of women on listening to this podcast that can say they're just really in tune with their bodies and whether they can verbally express this is what I'm feeling or this is what's happening or not. They know deep down, mm -hmm. you know, what their bodies are doing. And I just knew my body, um, had gotten rid of the pregnancy. And so that was a very devastating morning for me. 
And we went to the emergency room and sure enough, the doctors and nurses verified what I had already, you know, um, assumed was that we were having our second miscarriage. And so, you know, having two miscarriages in a row was mm -hmm. a concern of mine. And, but, you know, again, my doctor assured me that only 1% of women who had, you know, back-to-back -back miscarriages would go on to have a third miscarriage in a row. And my doctor was amazing. And I, I asked her, I just said, I'm so terrified of having a third miscarriage. Like, I don't think mm -hmm. I can emotionally handle this. Can we please start doing testing now? Just so I have a little bit of assurance that this might not happen again. Mm -hmm. And so we started doing testing. I went in for, um, a number of tests. I, I went in to make sure that I didn't have a like a heart shaped uterus. Mm -hmm. um, I went in for for um, other things, but the um, the one test that actually came back giving us re the results we needed was the blood test. And my mm -hmm. blood test came back showing, like we talked about in our first episode where we were chatting, was that I had a blood clotting disorder and I also have a genetic disorder. And mm -hmm. that makes me a higher risk for miscarriage. And, you know, with that new information, I was relieved that we had answers. But at the same time, I was a little scared that, you know, our our chances of having a healthy, viable pregnancy were were much lower than the average couple. And, you know, it was just a really hard time. And, and I would say to anyone listening to this podcast who is um, experiencing repeat pregnancy loss or, have, or, or who has had multiple miscarriages, um, mm -hmm. you know, I just want to encourage them to, um, you know, keep, keep the faith, keep hope. And, you know, even though that the diagnosis might sound scary or you might be getting news that, that is not the news you wanted to hear, you know, there are lots of specialists and, and doctors who are in your corner and want to make sure that you have every chance in the world to have like a healthy pregnancy. And um, of all things, which I hate saying this because I would get so mad when people would say it to me, but just a little bit of patience. Um, mm -hmm. I was so impatient during my infertility, I just wanted to have a baby so bad. And it was mm -hmm. just so challenging for me to just be patient and let the results come in and let the doctors find out the best way to go about um, making sure that I could have a healthy pregnancy. So, so that's my story. Yeah. I, I had two, yeah. two miscarriages in a row. Mm -hmm. That's, that's devastating emotionally, definitely to have it back to back. How did you cope and what helped you through it? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, after I had back-to-back -back miscarriages and then I was aware of my genetic disorder and blood clotting disorder, my husband and I started asking, you know, should we look into, you know, other ways of, you know, conceiving a, a baby? And we looked into IVF with uh, pre-implantation genetics uh, testing. And mm -hmm. we started going down that route. And then I ended up getting bladder cancer right in the middle of all that. Mm -hmm. And I think when that happened, I just realized, that um, I had absolutely zero control over my body. Mm -hmm. And I, for the longest time, thought that I could control my body if I just 
um, worked hard enough, if I just like thought about it hard enough, if, if, there, if I did the right things, if I ate the right things, if I did the right things, then surely I could control the outcome of what my body was doing. And I couldn't. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, for the listeners, the, the one thing that I would say is understanding that sometimes, you know, these things are out of our control is the thing that actually relieves us of the anxiety and the fear and the stress and just trusting that, um, you know, there, there is a greater plan. There is a, there is, there is, you know, um, something to look forward to, but that no matter what you do, it's out of your hands. And I think releasing that control and releasing that pressure that we put on ourselves to, to have these things happen. I think that gives, gives women peace. I know for me, it gave me peace when I realized I can't, there's nothing that I can do in this situation to, to make me any more fertile than I already am. I'm just going to let it go and I'm, I'm going to trust God and I'm just going to take a step back and I'm just going to see, you know, what happens. And, and that's really when I started to have more, more peace, um, less stress. And I will say, even when I started releasing control, it didn't mean things got better all of a sudden. I still had, you know, struggles. I was still, you know, in um, remission from cancer. And it's not like I got pregnant and had a baby all of a sudden just because I changed my mindset. But it did make those months where I wasn't conceiving and those months where I didn't have a baby more manageable. And Mm -hmm. um, I enjoyed those months, months more than I would have if I continued to just kind of try to grab onto all that control, if that makes sense. Yes, that's that's wonderful advice. It's a good perspective and advice for anyone grappling with miscarriage. Um, what are some of the things not to say to someone going through a miscarriage? I know there are many well-meaning family members and friends who want to comfort um, someone going through miscarriage. And what are some of the things that you didn't like when people would... <laughs> talk to you about miscarriage. Yeah, no, I I love that question because I think when you're experiencing infertility or you're experiencing miscarriage, you don't know what you don't want to hear until you hear it. And then you're just like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, like that was so offensive. Like, I hope I never hear that again. Um, right. And I'll give you a great example. So when I had gotten pregnant for the third time, um, my husband and I were at the 9-11 memorial in New York and we were, you know, touring the museum and I felt something in my underwear and I kind of was, was anxious. I was like, oh my gosh, what is that? And so I went to the bathroom and I checked my underwear and it was blood and I was so terrified and, you know, I was crying and I like tried to pull myself together and I like put toilet paper in my underwear and I came out and I told Adam, I was like, we need to go to the emergency room. I'm so sorry. I I think this isn't good. Like I'm bleeding again. And so we went back, we were walking around New York trying to find like an emergency room that would, you know, would take me and cover our insurance and all these things. And it ended up being Mm -hmm. a very stressful day. And when I went to the emergency room, um, the ER doctor saw me and she was so busy. I could tell she was exhausted. Like she had been running around all day. And in the five minutes I saw her, the first thing she said to me was, this looks like an inevitable miscarriage. I hope you don't get your hopes up because it's not looking good. 
And that's, that was our conversation. Like, that's exactly what she had, she told me. And I just, I just remember the words inevitable, like there's Mm -hmm. nothing that will save this pregnancy. And that really like struck my heart in like a very negative way. And I recently wrote um, an article about, you Mm -hmm. know, these, these negative terms that are used in, um, medical terminology, like inevitable Mm -hmm. miscarriage or, you know, non-viable pregnancy or complete abortion or spontaneous abortion. Like these are Mm -hmm. all legit medical terms, but they are, they are just, they are so hurtful. Like they hurt Mm -hmm. when these women hear them. And so I would say some of the most painful things that I've heard are actually medical terms that are legit medical terms to, you know, identify what type of loss you're having. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and so it was just one of those times where I learned, like, I need to be more open with my provider. Like, hey, mm-hmm. like, can we just say it, it was a loss? Like, just in front of me, let's just say it was a loss. And on the other end, when you're writing your notes, like, you can call it whatever you want. Mm-hmm. But just you and me, let's, right. let's just call it a loss. And I would say that was probably the most painful was just hearing it from the doctor. Like, that it was just, you know, those, those terms just seem so concrete. And they just seem like impossible to get past. And, and that, I think, I think that's what hurt me most. Yeah. Yes. And for our listeners, inevitable miscarriage actually means that there's bleeding and um, the cervix, which is supposed to be closed during pregnancy is actually open. It's dilated. And that's what is causing the miscarriage to happen. It's not closed enough. And so there's bleeding and the process hasn't started yet, but it will eventually end in miscarriage. So that's the medical um, d- definition uh-huh. of it. Uh-huh. And yes, as as a medical professional, you know, in, in med school, we learn all these different terms for for miscarriage. And we don't really learn what to say to a patient who is going through one. And the only terms that we know are are those medical jargon that we are unaware of that actually is quite offensive when we use it to converse with our patients. And so definitely it's a learning curve for most providers to use like gentler terms like loss, for instance, instead of like saying complete abortion or actual medical terminology, which would be hurtful to patients. There's definitely a lot that health professionals still need to change in terms of bedside manner and dealing with such an emotional issue of of miscarriage um and myself like i i went through a, a miscarriage as well and i've been lucky enough that at least the health professionals who helped me through the miscarriage um also didn't bombard me with the medical terminology which they knew i also knew they they were very um uh, willing to just sit there and hold space and just show empathy and i think that's what most professionals should just try to do when they're faced with a patient who's going through a miscarriage, just take the time to sit with the patient and hold space and listen to their concern, empathy, and really take the time. Like I, I know most doctors like need to see patients like frequently every five minutes or so, but you know, just showing that bit of empathy and not not bombarding them with the medical jargon that they will write in their charts, that's not helpful. <laughs> Just establishing that connection definitely with the patient is so, so important. Yeah. And I, I just appreciate so much that 
like you took the time to um, do that interview with me where we talked about, you know, you gave mm -hmm. me insights into what medical professionals can do to mm -hmm. kind of ease that, that grief, like that mm -hmm. shock in that in, initial, you know, moment where you're telling, you know, a patient, like, I'm so sorry, there's no heartbeat, or if mm -hmm. there's a stillbirth, those situations, and just, just being there for the patient and using kinder words, like yeah. even non-medical terminology, it makes mm -hmm. all the difference in the world. And I just loved the insights that you provided to me, like that providers can use to just make that that because that moment never leaves us, right? Like mm -hmm. I still remember everything about the moment when I heard that my my um, pregnancy, my my baby didn't have a heartbeat. Like I remember exactly the way the room looked. I remember mm -hmm. exactly what the provider said to me. And so, yeah, the bedside manner is so important. And I just think you yeah. provide some really great insight into like how that relationship can be better balanced. Mm -hmm. Yes, that that's for sure. I mean, it's uh, it's quite an emotional experience for the woman there in that in that situation. And you know, having gone through it myself, like I know that when I deal with patients who do see me and are going through a miscarriage, I would definitely take the time to like make sure that that I'm emotionally reassuring them and not not saying um, offensive words to them that would hurt them mm -hmm. um, and even like when you talk to family or or friends for instance sometimes they don't know how to how to react when you tell them that you've that you're going through a miscarriage what kind of advice would you give to other family or friends who want to comfort someone's going through a miscarriage like sometimes people can be flippant or they don't know what to say and they freeze and uh, how would you like advice them in terms of yeah no that's a great question and I think the advice I'll give is just my own personal experience of what I experienced with with my family and I had a great experience with my family and and I'll just tell you how that went and hopefully that'll help um anyone listening to this who might have a daughter or a niece or a sister going through, you know, um, infertility or pregnancy loss, that will give them some insight into maybe what they can do um, to support their loved one. And what I did is, you know, once I had a little bit of time to kind of wrap my mind around what happened in the situation, it gave me a little bit of time to, to process what happened, but also be able to articulate what happened. Mm -hmm. uh, I think for a few weeks, I just didn't even know what to say because it was so fresh and it was so painful. And I, I, I wasn't ready to talk, but when I finally was ready to talk, you know, I sent my family down and I told them about the situation and I told them about the miscarriages and everything that was going on. And I just remember like my aunt came uh, over to me at the dinner table and she didn't say anything. She just came behind me and just gave me a big hug and she just hugged me for the longest time and we didn't even um we didn't even communicate mm -hmm. and it was the most it was the most precious gift that she could have given me it was just this this hug where it just let me know that she was there for me and that she loved me and no words had to be said at all and I think sometimes, you know, just just a genuine hug really goes a long way for women who are being vulnerable, opening up and sharing, you know, what has happened. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I think something else that's really beneficial too is just a kind word. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of my best girlfriends who never experienced miscarriage uh, and actually ended up getting pregnant on her first try, mm-hmm. you know, what she said to me was, you know, I will be here for you. Like whatever you need, I'll be here for you. And it was, that was all she said. And even though like we couldn't relate on that level because, you know, our fertility experiences were completely different. I believed her and and I knew that if I really needed her, like I could reach out and tell her I'm just having a really bad day today and she would listen. Um, So that would be my advice. You know, um, if you're close enough to the person, you know, just a a physical touch, you know, just holding their hand or giving them a big hug is, is just a really great way to just non-verbally say that you, that you love them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or, you know, if you're, you're close enough to, to text or chat or write, write um, a card and just say, I'm I'm here for you. I think Mm -hmm. those are just very subtle, easy ways to let them know that they have all the space in the world they need to grieve. But if they ever do want to talk that you're there for them. Mm, I love that. I love that advice. That's very, very useful for anyone who wants to comfort a loved one who's going through a miscarriage. How can people reach you and get a hold of your book? Yeah. So um, I'm on Instagram. I think we're friends on Instagram too. Um, So they can, they can look, um, at Tracy uh, D. McCombs, and my name's spelt with an I, which is a kind of uh, odd name to spell Tracy. Um, mm-hmm. They can find me there. Um, and then my book is on Amazon only. So if they were interested mm-hmm. in reading my book, um, they could look up my miscarriage and it should be able to pop up somehow. But um, mm-hmm. Or they could just reach out to you and ask. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> But yeah, I'm out there somewhere. But um, yeah, I'm on Instagram and my, my book is on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Yes, I will link that on the show notes. And I also link the the exact um, link at Amazon. I think I'll be able to do that on the show notes. So you can just click on the link and it will go straight to your book. Okay. Um, so I definitely will encourage anyone and everyone to like grab a hold of Tracy's book. It's it's an amazing, very heartfelt story of a journey of someone going through miscarriage definitely grab a copy and reach out to Tracy on Instagram as well. She has great posts, everyone. <laughs> thank oh, you thank so much, you. Tracy, for being yeah. on the podcast. Yeah, Mary, it's always a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for having me back and just really appreciate all the insights that you've given me as a provider as to what what we can do to make this conversation a little bit easier for everybody. Awesome. Anytime. How awesome was that? If you enjoyed today's episode, subscribe and I would love to receive a review from you. And let's keep this conversation going. What is your fertility journey like? How are you choosing to be compassionate with yourself? Subscribe to the Fertility Stories podcast. I've got a new episode coming your way next week. And until then, talk soon.